Hallelujah. Well, it's good to be all ready and going for the week again, especially since it's midweek. You know, we need our midweek turbo strength. Hallelujah. Shall we pray? Father, we bless you. We praise you. We worship you. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your goodness. You're a faithful God. Yesterday is over. We give you thanks. Tomorrow is not yet here. But we have this day, Lord. And this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. We thank you, Lord. We bless you for the privilege of serving you. The honor of knowing you in this day and hour. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Blessed be your holy name. Blessed be your holy name. Blessed be your holy name. We give you thanks. Hallelujah. Thank you, Abba Father. Thank you, Abba Father. Thank you, Abba Father. Thank you, Abba Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we give you thanks. Our Father. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. We worship you. Hallelujah. Blessed be your holy name. Thank you, Father. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because he's given Jesus Christ, his Son, And now, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say, I am rich. Because of what the Lord has done for us. And now, let the weak say, I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us. We give thanks. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, we give you thanks. Le produsto frevede velindere li bocoro do boshinde. Hallelujah. Rakuzuri ruguriende. Hamashaka zanda. Oshere babara kalbara balakarianda la bariande. Hallelujah. Majababal marabakarianda rabal mashataramanda. Oh, hallelujah, my shady Lebron, Dolo, Provolo, Borbore, Blessed be your holy name, blessed be your holy name. Hachakazanda Prazala Prababalma. Oh, so grateful, Mandarabaria Balalabashanda. Thank you, Abba Father, Leposoko Rekizere Barabal Marabalmaya. Oh, thank you, Lord. Worship you, worship you, worship you, worship you, worship you, Lord. Blessed be your holy name. Thank you, Father. 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 
We give you thanks. Le posto copara passa barabalmaya. Oh, hallelujah. Le presunto roboriendere balacras de la variendere boshondo. Thank you, Father. Le prosuco reke le brabalmarafa pariente le bocorustoyo. Worship you, worship you, worship you, worship you, worship you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Abba. Thank you, Abba. Thank you, Abba. Oh, you're faithful. You'll do what you said. We trust you now. We worship you today. Faithful God. Faithful God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. 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 Worthy, worthy, worthy. Worthy is the Lamb to receive all the glory, all the honor, all the thanksgiving. Oh, you are worthy, Lord. You are worthy, Lord. You are worthy, Lord. Hallelujah. Be exalted. Be glorified. Be magnified. We give you thanks. We give you thanks. We give you thanks. Thank you, Abba Father. Thank you, Abba Father. Thank you, Abba Father. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. So we've been talking about a few things lately. Because it's the time to talk about these things. And um, according to the book of Daniel, the seals have been removed because we are in those last days. And therefore, knowledge has increased and mobility and movement has increased. Technology has so uh, increased that we are able to keep tab of people across the globe and uh, receive instruction and grow and all of these things. So... If there's any time we should know things, now is the time to know. Now is the time to be aware of. Hallelujah. So in the light of all that, you know, we're still reading a a scripture or two from the book of Revelation. And uh, if you remember, we had read 13 and 17. Uh, Let's just read from chapter 1 now as I write, sorry, as I read. In verse 19, he says, Write the things which thou hast seen. Write the things which thou hast seen, and the things which are, and the things which shall be hereafter. So there's a record of things that are, things that are to be after also. So praise God. It's part of your understanding to know things that are, and things that shall be also hereafter. And this was given to John, the apostle, uh, at a later stage in his life, and um, through much suffering, he endured and he brought this to us. Praise God. And notice how the 20th verse starts, the mystery of the seven stars, which thou sawest in my right hand. So it's called the mystery. Notice there that we are still dabbling into the things of the mystery. So as... From the day of Pentecost till chapter 3 of Revelations, you could still say it is all part of that mystery, you know, praise God. However, we are also the custodians of the mysteries of God, and we are the ones who are carrying it, and we must know what we're carrying and be founded truly in these things, these realities. Hallelujah. So let's go off. Uh, to Revelation chapter 12 also. And notice there, he says in verse 1, And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, 
a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet. Notice that. And upon her head a crown of 12 stars. So this has been, you know, there in many religious circles. And, you know, you may debate about who is this woman. Some people call her the queen of heaven and, and so on and so forth. Praise God. Notice in verse 2, And she being with child cried, travailing in birth, and pained to be delivered. So she looks like she's travailing in birth there, in pain to be delivered. And there appeared another wonder in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns upon his heads. So here it is another wonder in heaven called the great red dragon. Verse 4, And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven, did cast them to the earth. The dragon stood before the woman which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. Verse 5 continues, And she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. Praise God. So you can see there that there's no doubt about who this child is. And getting caught up to the throne and is a man-child or male child is going to rule with a rod of iron. From Revelation 19, you know that Jesus rules with a rod of iron. And verse 6 says, And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared of God that she should feed her there, or rather they should feed her there a thousand two hundred three score days, and that's three and a half years. So this is talking about a period into the middle of the tribulation there, where a couple of things we have studied about are already mentioned here. So there's going to be a remnant of Jewish people who are found uh, in a place of refuge, and they will be kept, according to Daniel 11:40, verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon fought, and his angels prevailed not, neither was their place any more found in heaven. The great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil, and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world, cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. So you can tell here that the woman, you know, uh, could ev eventually be categorized as, you know, this or that or the other. But because of uh, what we know, uh, the fact is that this woman and the persons that she represents has a way of going to uh, find refuge during that three and a half uh, year period. So it, it cannot be actually just a person. It has to be more than that. It cannot be X, Y, Z. It's actually more appropriate to say that that is Israel and the 12 tribes are, you know, those crowns on the head. And it kind of agrees, if you notice, with the dream that Joseph had of his parents you know, sun and moon and stars and family all bowing before him. That's a pretty good uh, comparison there. So we take it that 
the interpretation of this is, you know, Israel, and out of Israel comes the Lord Jesus, the man-child, and uh, already ready to devour the child as soon as he was born. So you can see that the enemy, the devil, had plotted to destroy uh, Jesus at his birth. Herod was his um, monstrosity that he was going to use. But because he doesn't know everything and he's not all-wise and all-knowing, he was still outwitted by the simplicity of Jesus and the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And so there was a murdering of children below the age of two. What a disaster. What a tragedy. So praise God. That should take care of the mystery of the woman there and the man-child. You know, praise God. It's very simple, very clear, and uh, it just has to be received like that. Some people say that that is organized religion, is the woman, and uh, the child there is a group of people who will be special, and they will be uh, eventually raptured. All of these theories are there, but that doesn't make sense with the remnant which finds refuge during the three and a half latter time of the tribulation. So it just makes a lot of biblical sense to note that, you know, the interpretation is that she is, the, she is Israel. That woman is Israel and the 12 tribes and the male child is Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord Jesus. However you look at it, notice that they overcame him in verse 11 by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. Therefore rejoice, you heavens, you that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea, for the devil is come down, having great wrath, knowing he knoweth that he had but a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was cast onto the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth or brought forth the man-child. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness into her place. Notice that where she's nourished for a time and times and half a time. There again, it equiv- the equivalent is three and a half years. You know, uh, from the face of the serpent. And the serpent was cast out of or rather the serpent cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman, that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of her mouth. The dragon was wroth with the woman, went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which kept the commandments of God, and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So you can see that those people are people who have accepted the Lord uh, during that period of time, in spite of all that's going on, and uh, they have been kept and nourished. Praise God. God has been faithful towards them. Hallelujah. And whatever came out of his mouth as a flood there can be likened to words of blasphemy and words of threat, and the earth physically comes to help these people and the effect of these words are completely nullified. Praise God. So that in a nutshell could be the whole meaning of that 12th chapter. We are, you know, seeing through a glass darkly, but we are trying to open our hearts more to God and
His instruction and reading and studying. Praise God. Hallelujah. May God help us. Amen. So nothing to fear. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony and their fearlessness. They did not fear. They had no fear of their own lives. Praise God. In other words, they were secure in the love of God. Hallelujah. The love of God has a lot of security in it and it drives out all other fears. So we'll have to uh, yield to these things more and more. Let's go to 1 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, and observe there, verse 1. Let a man so account us, or rather account of us, as the ministers of Christ and the stewards of the mysteries of God. Can you see that we are supposed to be the ones that are handling the mysteries of God? Praise God. So eventually, you know that it, it comes to, to the church, but it started off with people like the Apostle Paul, Peter, John, and so forth. They were the original ones. And now we are the ones that are supposed to be understanding these mysteries and carrying these mysteries and enjoying the benefit of this knowledge and understanding in this day and hour. Praise God. And we ought to be faithful, the Bible says. Praise God. Look at another verse like that in Colossians chapter 2. Notice there, if you read verse 1, he's saying that he had a lot of trouble um, He was in jail and so forth, a great conflict. And then he said, many had not seen his face uh, physically. But verse 2, that's why he was writing, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and of the Father, and of Christ. Hallelujah. So, you know, God being the Father and Christ and all of these things, the realities of the anointing within us and upon us and the whole fact that we are now the family of God. You know, Colossians there are not Jewish people. They are Gentiles. All these things form part of the mystery which uh, we are supposed to walk in and enjoy. Hallelujah. And it was not based on any physical thing that was done, except that by faith we believed in what Jesus had already done. Praise God. Verse 3 continues, In whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Praise the Lord Jesus. So these treasures which are hid, notice there, can only be accessed when you accept the Lord Jesus. And then it becomes very precious. They become treasures. So, What we are talking about is very precious, very highly treasured by God and cannot be received just with natural understanding. It comes from the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. So it's available only to born-again people and born-again people who have decided that that is their treasure and they want it and they desire it. Amen. You get born again, but you're not automatically full of knowledge and understanding. We have to learn. You know, that's why there has to be systematic understanding of these things. They are basic truths, and then we build upon that and continue to yield so that we understand more of these treasures. Amen? God refers to them as treasures, treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So this is the highest knowledge you can ever have. It's higher than any other 
knowledge out there. And to be specific, it's the knowledge of that nature of God himself. It's not just an academic knowledge, it's knowing him. And he is love. So the knowledge of the love of God is the highest knowledge. And that's what has prompted everything he has done. Everything he has done is because of his love and his great compassion, which could be another word for love. So those of us who are believers, we become more and more driven towards understanding these treasures of the knowledge and wisdom of God. Hallelujah. And the word for this kind of knowledge is epignosis. Regular natural knowledge is gnosis, G-N-O-S-I-S, which is available out there. But this is epi, which comes from above, which comes from a higher realm. Praise God. And so we desire these things. And uh, our prayers, therefore, are directed that way, that we will begin to treasure this kind of knowledge and understanding and begin to seek after it. Our intercessions also are just like that. Hallelujah. So you will see we're following the example of a person like Paul whose desire was that this knowledge would be understood and taken hold of. And so when we pray for others, this should be the highest level of prayer, that they would be able to understand the revelation of these things and walk in them. Hallelujah. And therefore, we're taking all this seriously because it was serious. Hallelujah. It was never meant to be um, low and degraded. Hallelujah. Amen. Verse 4 says, And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. So there is guile or lies working by the side to try and draw us away from these realities. But be steadfast. Seek these things. Desire them. Let this become your treasure. Let this become your desire. And if you notice, when you have this understanding, you are secure because all that he has, because of who he is, praise God, has now also become ours as joint heirs with him. So you don't have to really struggle with anybody out there naturally. There's no natural struggle involved. You just have to spiritually receive what has already been given to us. Hallelujah. It's through knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. Amen. So, um, hallelujah. Last week we sort of uh, broached on something and it kind of opened up some thoughts and I'm believing that those thoughts are for us still. We had read that uh, the grace of God in Titus 2 that bringeth salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously and godly in this present world. Notice that there is a present age and there's an age that's coming. And according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, I believe is in the 19th verse, he said, if only in this life we have hope in Christ, then we are of all men most miserable. In other words, there is much more in the ages to come than we can even imagine because we are so limited to natural understanding. We think this is it. This is all that we have. No wonder this is a higher knowledge and a higher understanding. So we are learning how to look beyond this age also. Thank God for this present age where we are redeemed from this evil present age. But thank God that there's one ahead, you know, that is greater and longer and 
more glorious than even this present age. But we're called to live in a certain way now, and that affects that um, age also in greater measure than you can even imagine right now. He says in verse 13, looking for that blessed hope. Notice that we have not yet seen him. We are looking for him. Hallelujah. The blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. We have acknowledged we needed a Savior. We could not do it ourselves. Thank God. That's the first step towards you know, receiving this revelation, the, the mystery, the, the treasure becoming unveiled to us. Hallelujah. Who gave himself for us, verse 14 says, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Praise God. So he has made sure that through his redemptive work, we are made a, a special people. The word for peculiar there is a little different. It means beyond and above normal type of people. We are beyond and above normal type of people. We are zealous for good works. Hallelujah. That is our grain. That's what we are made of. We are a people that are zealous unto good works. Isn't that interesting? And then verse 15 delivered something interesting that I I could not help but notice. It says, these things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. So it is possible that you will be despised, um, treated like low when you talk about these kind of things, depreciated, contemned, things like that, those kind of thoughts. So you need to have special strength, God will give us that, to be able to say these things because they are going to be kind of despised and you will probably be despised also. So um, you'll have to love people beyond yourself. In spite of you being despised, you know, I believe uh, Paul said we should preach the gospel in season, out of season. One way of looking at it is that even when it's not comfortable, sometimes it's not comfortable to say these things, you know, it's pretty uncomfortable stuff. But uh, you just have to keep saying it because whether you like it or not, That's what we are called to do. Praise God. A peculiar people. So if someone says you're peculiar, you can say, yeah, that's my grain. That's who I am. (laughs) We're strange, but we are over and above. We're not natural kind of people. So we deny ungodliness, worldly lusts. We live soberly, righteously, godly in this present age or time. Praise God. So let's look at a few things. Um, along those lines. You know, the love of God is our character because we're born again. The love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost given unto us. And uh, to walk in love on a daily basis is our highest call. Praise God. And um, it's not uh, a fleshly thing because flesh will always draw attention to itself. It's about self. But when self is dethroned, and you begin to give God and others place, you are turning towards the God kind of love. Hallelujah. So let's read a a verse or two, um, you know, without struggling, in the Galatians, the fifth chapter, verse 1. He says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty. 
wherewith Christ has made us free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Notice that Jesus paid a great price to set us free. Hallelujah. And that liberty has to be maintained by us. So Jesus doesn't go again and again and pay for it. But we hold fast and maintain and stand in that liberty that he has given to us and not be entangled again. So it's possible to be entangled again. Notice that. So it's not a guarantee that you're going to walk in liberty constantly. It's something that you will have to enforce and maybe even fight for every now and then. Maybe every day. Hallelujah. So we have to keep that liberty uh, and not be entangled again. There are entanglements that try to hinder us. Hmm. And then it goes on to all these legalisms of circumcision and so on. Today we may not have such a problem, but we may have other legalisms, you know, and uh, that's one way. But to just let you know how hard it was on Paul, look at the language he used in verse 12. He said, I would, they were even cut off, which trouble you. And the NIV uses an interesting word for cut off, and I'll read it. I believe it's the word emasculated. (laughs) Yeah, that's a tough word to use. He says, but as for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. To emasculate means to cut off the whole organ. To cut off the whole male organ. (laughs) That's what he meant. You see, so he said, why should you just, uh, you know, be so excited and so thrilled about just cutting a bit of it or the edge of it just around? Why don't you just cut the whole thing? Because... Uh, These mutilations and self-torture are all part of a religious system that was there from the beginning. And even in our nation, we have people who poke themselves and cut themselves and all of that. It has nothing to do with the truth, really. Hallelujah. And so it is possible, can you imagine, for a church to be uh, so sidetracked by these legalisms that they begin to think that they can actually work out something that is pleasing to God. While the truth is, what is already deposited on the inside of us has to be walked out. Hallelujah. (laughs) We are a peculiar people, and we are zealous, and we are fired up about good works, doing good works. It's not a legalism. There's nothing... uh, by force in all of this, because if you have to force anybody actually to do anything, then it's the same as uh, really having nothing. Praise God. So God wants you out of love and desire and choice to offer, and not by force. Because if you have to force it, then it's the same as you didn't have it in the first place. Are you getting it? So the law and all of the legalisms deal on the outside and apply pressure on the outside, but God gives us a new nature which works from the inside, and the love of God on the inside rises up and makes us not be settled until we finish doing what we ought to do. That's what he means by the love of Christ constrains us. It's not from outside, it's from within. It has to be chosen, it has to be desired, 
It has to be pursued. And then out of the choice and will of the person, when he does it freely because of the love of God, then it becomes positive. It becomes a blessing and it becomes a pleasure to God. Hallelujah. So, you know, Paul had to deal with a lot of these things. Today, it may be in the form of some tradition that the church has or some limitations by man put on the outside, all of these things. But don't forget, our nature on the inside is what we must act upon. Hallelujah. So, notice again that the love of God is concerned about others. Praise God. If we can truly say that we want someone to be blessed better than us, then we could say that we are walking in the love of God. That sounds tough, doesn't it? (laughs) You can compare it with all the scriptures, even in Philippians, esteeming others better than yourself, preferring others, hallelujah. Flesh is always about self, the interest of the person himself. But when you put somebody else's interest above your own, then you have begun to act according to the love of God. The love of God does not dare say, I love you, until it is willing to say, I prefer that you are blessed first, that you have the benefit first, that you get the increase first. Hallelujah. Amen. So, it's a shift in our thinking. It's um, not a normal thinking, especially today. Especially in this age in which we live, um, it's going to take a lot of work to stand fast in that liberty. It's a set of, you know, uh, things that set you free. It's not about you anymore. It's not about myself anymore. Praise God. You think about it. Why would God send anybody to another nation? Just for himself? No. He's thinking about those people. Praise God. And so if the person is only thinking about themselves and has his own interest at heart only, guess what? He cannot fit into what God has for them. It cannot be God. That's just, you know, logically thinking along these lines. Praise God. So how many of us are really walking in the love of God? That's up to us to figure out. The job of the ministry and the gift of God is to present the facts, present the truth, (coughs) excuse me, and as we take it in and think about it, we ought to judge ourselves so that we are not judged. Amen? So notice, we are not ordinary people, we are peculiar people. Jesus redeemed us unto himself, a peculiar people that are zealous of good works. Praise God. In other words, they want to make sure that others are blessed above and beyond themselves. Very interesting, right? It's almost like, ah, you didn't say that. You can't be saying that. That's the truth. That's what the love of God is all about. Hallelujah. It's about actually laying down ourselves for others. Hallelujah. That is how he redeemed us and purchased us a peculiar people unto himself by laying down his life. And so 
the same nature is poured out into our own hearts by the Spirit of God given unto us. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, I may have shared this before, but it doesn't matter if it is repeated. In the 18th century, 18, early 18 to late 18th century, there was a man called William Booth. And he's the one who formed the Salvation Army. And uh, the Salvation Army is all over the world. In fact, we have one of their branch offices in Tiruvalla in Kerala. And uh, William Booth was quite an interesting man. And um, he had uh, certain ways of doing things. And he actually created an army of uh, people, including young people, whose main thrust was to to go and get people saved. You know, save the world. (laughs) Hallelujah. (laughs) Praise God. You know, some of these things are interesting to just read about and ponder about. Anyhow... Uh, there was a second ship like the Titanic which uh, eventually got sunk. And uh, it was two years after the Titanic. And I believe it was called the Irish Empress or something like this. That was the name. And uh, she was very safe compared to the Titanic. They had all the boats for rescue and lifeboats and so on and so forth. But it ran into another uh, ship, um, a Norwegian ship apparently, and it sank in record time. It had a 1,500 or so people on board. A 1,000 of them almost perished. Just about 500 kind of made it. You know, it, it sank very fast. In a couple of hours, it was gone. So they didn't even have much time to do anything. Uh, very sad incident. However, among the uh, passengers that day, they were about 170 young Salvation Army uh, children, you know, young people. And uh, they were on their way also. This, this was a trip from, from uh, the United Kingdom area to Quebec. Anyway, they were on their way, and this thing happened. So uh, people were just, you know, dying and drowning and so on. And uh, eventually, when they checked on the survivors list, they found out that almost no... Uh, young uh, Salvation Army people had made it alive. And when they began to inquire, they found out that these people were going around and giving life uh, jackets to people in the water and asking them, are you a believer? If you die today, do you know where you will go? And if they said, no, I'm not a believer, I don't know what you're talking about, they would take their life jacket and give it to them and keep trying and you know, reaching out to others until they ran out of breath and just sank. <laughs> this is what they were doing. And so, apparently there was this huge guy who um, was approached by a little girl with the life jacket. And she said, are you a Christian? Are you a believer? If you die today, do you know where you're going? And he was a huge guy. He said, no, I don't care about all those things. And, uh, you know... <laughs> She just threw the jacket off at him and, you know, she just went off swimming some other place. And he got so bugged because he's a huge macho type of guy and he went after her and he said, why are you doing this? And, you know, threw it back at her. Why are you doing this? And and she said, you know, if I die, I have a better death than you. So she threw it back angrily. She was angry and she threw it back at him. And that man said, that night, I, I was saved by that girl. I was saved twice. He said, I was saved from the water, and I was saved from hell. 
Praise God. And so, you know, it's nice to notice that these people were living like that. They just thought about others rather than themselves. I know that if we are pushed to such a situation, we may do the same thing, knowing that we'll go to heaven if we die. But, you know, why be pushed? Why not just live like that on a daily basis? It looks like it's tough. It looks like it's a tall order like we say. But, you know, that's the life on the inside of us. Hallelujah. That's the, the essential life that we have. We are here as custodians, stewards of that kind of mysterious life that people cannot understand. Uh, why? How do you do this? Why do you do this kind of stuff? And that is what we are. And we were redeemed by the one who loved us like that and gave us his own life and poured it on the inside of us. Amen? And so William Booth um, used to write letters to his fleet or to his soldiers. And, uh, you know, as he grew older, um, you know, the letters became shorter and shorter. And apparently one of his last letters simply said, Others. That was all he could say, others. <laughs> I think that kind of wraps it all up. It's about others. It's not really about us. It's about others. Amen? That's the life that we have been given. That's what's actually on the inside of us. And it sets us free. There's no fear in that. Because what can you do to someone who's not bothered about themselves? There's almost nothing you can do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, that life is on the inside of you, believer, today. That is the same life that we have. That's the same exact life that you and I have. Praise God. And so we have to sometimes fight to bring that life out and maintain that life and and dethrone this self-thought every now and then. Praise God. It seems to be easy to say, Uh, rather than do, but it starts with saying, hallelujah, and then our tongue rules the whole body. Some of the things that um, William Booth has said are also available uh, out there as quotes. One of his quotes was, um, always go for souls directly and go for the worst. (laughs) Always go for souls directly and go for the worst. <laughs> Think about that. Praise God. If it weren't for someone's love and prayers, I don't think we would have been saved. Amen? God came for us while we were still enemies, while we were at the worst. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Another of his sayings is uh, very interesting also. He says, um, praise God. I-, I love it because... It, it helps to, to... Sometimes you feel you're alone. You know, you think you're... Are you the only weird person thinking like this? And then you realize, ah, there have been people thinking like this from long time ago. And one even came to your town. Salvation Army came there. Hallelujah. But let me see if I can get this thought out there. Yes, he said... Um, <laughs> it's interesting. He said, we ought to wake up. Or else someone else will take our place and bear our cross and receive the crown that we were supposed to. Very interesting. We ought to wake up, he said. Let someone else take our place, bear our cross, and receive the crown that we were supposed to. 
Isn't that interesting? That's why we need to wake up. Amen? Somebody else could take your place and bear our cross, the cross we were supposed to bear. You know, it's a cross that we bear. The will of God is a cross for us. It's not entirely pleasant for the flesh. The flesh is going to cry about it. The flesh is not going to want it. But the truth is, we have to bear it. And through that cross, we receive the crown. Hallelujah. There's always uh, a crown after the cross. Hallelujah. It's the way of Jesus. It's the way of the person that we are following. So, you know, don't uh, diminish these things. It's very, very vital. Hallelujah. Very, very vital. I, I love these things. Let me see. I think there's one more quote that I could come up with. You know, and uh, they're available out there. Praise God. The greatness of a man's power is in the measure of his surrender. Interesting. So these kind of thoughts, you know, um, to know that a person who died in around 1912 and uh, impacted people all across the globe could actually uh, talk to us today because we are listening. Amen? Why are we listening? Because we know this is true. There's a spirit that bears witness with us that, yes, this is true. The, the line dividing us from others is that we have decided to follow Jesus, to live for him, to, to live his life. We are peculiar. We are special. We are over and above. And we have the ability to lay down our lives for others rather than to present our flesh first. Flesh always draws attention to itself. Don't forget that. But when you begin to put others there instead of yourself, the flesh is being battered and being put under. Hallelujah. And this is a great time for us to live like that because the earth is in a bad time. Living in a period where men are more lovers of themselves than anything else. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, let's go to another scripture um, in Galatians chapter 2. Thank you, Jesus. You know, it's a blessing to think about these things every now and then and remember. He says, I'm crucified in verse 20, Galatians 2.20. I'm crucified with Christ. Another word would be, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me or liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh... I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Hallelujah. Notice there's an emphasis on the one who loved me and gave himself for me. Hallelujah. And so I'm not living by feelings. I'm supposed to live by the love on the inside of me, which is a love that gives itself, that gives itself for others. Hallelujah. And that faith is a result of the love working inside. It's not about self. Amen? Notice that. So faith is operational because this love is ready to see others blessed above themselves. Hallelujah. That will take a few minutes to just sink in. Because we are not programmed like that naturally. Our flesh will fight against it. One of our biggest hindrances is the ability to preserve ourselves. 
while Jesus did not hold back, but he gave himself freely. Hallelujah. Amen. So we may not necessarily have to lie down and die for others, but God may call us to, you know, actually give to other lives, to offer up things for others, and to want to see them blessed above ourselves. Not just at our level, but above ourselves. That's an interesting thought, right? Sometimes we have to be reminded that that is a battle that we have to win on a daily basis. I was hearing recently of a lot of divorces that are taking place even among people who are supposed to know better. People who claim to have heard the right message. Who claim to understand what we are talking about. You see, but when you are cornered, it's a battle between flesh and the love of God. Self and the love of God. Hallelujah. Marriage is supposed to be a place where you are living for the other person. My wife told me, don't look sad today, so I'm not looking sad. (laughs) But I believe that if you're living for somebody else in a marriage relationship, you are satisfying God's desire, which says in John 15, 13, there is no greater love than this. There is no greater love than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. That a man lay down his life for his friends. I believe that our spouses, our spouses, male or female, they are our friends. And they have a right just by being our friends. Hallelujah. That we can lay down our life for them. Amen. Physically, even we may. I was hearing uh, a testimony of a bishop in, uh, in Africa, particularly in Nigeria. Uh, they were going through a tough time with the Boko Haram. And, um, you know, they, they tried coming to his house and found out that that day he was not there, but his wife was there, and they did unspeakable things to her. And she was even blinded. He had gone some other place. Anyway, eventually he also had come. And they came that day and they, they got him also. And uh, they were getting ready to kill him if he would not give up Jesus. And he knelt down and said, I would like to pray. They said, okay, you can pray. So he prayed and when he opened up his eyes, there was none of them left. <laughs> he was very shocked. There was not even one person left. He said, I don't know what what they saw, uh, what happened, but they all left. Amen? Praise God. So, hallelujah. We'll try our best to lay down our lives for the brethren, for our spouse. And I don't think that, you know, the issue of divorce will ever come up if we live like that. Hallelujah. So, please endeavor to live this life because that's what has been poured on the inside of us. Jesus paid for it and redeemed unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Hallelujah. Amen. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I know that um, it's kind of too much when you talk about it because sometimes people who are religious can do a better job than we do. (laughs) So sometimes people want to see you do it more than talk about it. Well, I believe we'll be doers, not just hearers only. 
There are religious people who live on the street who are going out there doing all kinds of stuff in the name of trying to help humanity and please God. And they seem to be doing a better job maybe than some of us. But let's remember, it's the life of God on the inside of us that we are custodians of that is helping us to do it right. Amen. Otherwise, you can give your whole life to be burned and still it would profit you nothing. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let me also turn into Philippians, the first chapter. And observe there in verse 21, Paul is saying here, For me to live, for to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. For me to live is Christ. So we have an opportunity to let Christ come forth through our life on a daily basis. And even if we die, ha ha, it's a gain. Praise God. <laughs> it's not a loss. There's a greater life ahead of us. And we should be very sure that it is ours because it was purchased by Him for us. And we are heirs of that life. It is our inheritance. Praise God. But if I live in the flesh, verse 22 continues, this is the fruit of my labor, yet what I shall choose, I wot not. In other words, I get a chance to do something. Verse 23, I am in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. Hallelujah. Amen. Nevertheless, he said, you know, to depart and be with Christ is a desire I have. It's a desire I have. Oh, and it's far better. Nevertheless, the small hindrance here, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Not for himself. Amen? So we learn from this that we are here. Our life is more needful here for other people, not ourselves. Praise God. Very interesting. And 25, he says, I'm so sure of this. He says, and having this confidence, I know that I shall abide and continue with you all. He says that's a guaranteed thing. That if you are thinking like that, you can say, I know I will remain here. <laughs> and continue. And it will be for somebody's furtherance. Notice, somebody else's furtherance and joy of faith. Hallelujah. Somebody else's progress. For somebody else to make progress. That's why we're here. Otherwise, to depart and be with Christ is far Far better. Amen. We may have to just, you know, chew on this, ponder about it every now and then. What is my life? It's a vapor. What am I doing here? Why am I here? What is the will of God for my life? This is the will of God. That we help somebody further their life. That we increase their joy. Their joy in believing. Hallelujah. That's the will of God for us. Anything apart from this is basically just the flesh. Basically just self. Selfishness. Hallelujah. So, um, you know, it can be despised if you talk like this and are very bold like, about it because um, it is not natural. It's not natural. And the flesh will just rise up to shoot down any such thing uh, and bring it to naught 
and so on. Now, we're not wearing uniforms and looking like communists and all that, but this is the source of our thinking. This is how we are supposed to live. This is how we think. Praise God. We're not saying all of us should be equal. We're saying others should be better than us. Very interesting. See, the communist thinking out there is everybody should be equal. But the Christ thinking is the other should be better off. Hallelujah. For their furtherance and joy of faith. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So get that right. That's where we differ. We are not like, you know, the natural kind of people out there. We are zealous about these things. So we say so. We say, I am zealous about these kind of things. This is me. This is who I am. And this is what I am fired up about. This is what I live for. This is why I spend another day on the planet. Hallelujah. Otherwise, we can be entangled again in those yokes of bondage. Hallelujah. We can be entangled again in those yokes of bondage. Let's go again to Galatians, the fifth chapter, and get back there. Notice verse 1. He says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. So observe, that's, that's how that goes. Now let's jump down towards verse 13. For, brethren, you have been called unto liberty. You've been called unto liberty. Freedom is the way it's all supposed to be in an attitude of freedom. In other words, you have the freedom to choose. It's not by force here. It's not by force. The preaching may sound as if you are going to have to do it right now, but you have to choose. Not just today, every day. Notice, you have been called unto liberty. Only use not your liberty or your freedom to choose for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. By love serve one another. By love Serve. Love serving the other. Praise God. Are you getting this? So we have to choose in the freedom that we have. Notice in Christ you are free. There's no force. But you have to think from the instruction of the word, from the counsel of God, from being more aware of what's on the inside, we have to choose that in love we now serve one another. Hallelujah. So notice the service can be going off in one direction. They're just serving and serving and serving. But notice here it is a choice to serve out of love for one another. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Hallelujah. So, Go for it and see if you can fight the fight against your flesh by just treating your neighbor as yourself. That's good. But I know that you have to put your neighbor above yourself and that's only when you're able to actually affect them. 
Praise God. Suppose you're a lazy Christian and you treat your neighbor just like yourself. That's about it. You're going to be lazy about how you treat them. Are you getting it? So it has to be a place where even if you're a lazy Christian, your neighbor is better than yourself. At least brush your teeth and clean up so that you look presentable to them. And go say hello. Hallelujah. Amen. All of these things make sense only when you are thinking about others. Notice how verse 15 goes. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. Oh, glory to God. Notice that the biting happens by the teeth, and therefore it is in the mouth, therefore it is in the words, and so we, we, we need help. We need help with our words that we learn not to talk about one another and talk low about them either. Praise God. God help us all. I believe you got something today. Let's prayerfully consider all these things. Praise God. Shate belo renge delo gorazende, mambrele fefeli docoro zembra la calmata casta, neto luste, grala deo, grembelite capotulo, frende frefe fefe fefe fefe. We give you thanks, we give you thanks, we give you thanks, we give you thanks. Hallelujah. Blessed be your holy name, blessed be your holy name, blessed be your holy name. Blessed be your holy name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. All right. So, some thoughts. You know, it's sometimes quite strong and it needs prayer again and again. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now, notice here another scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Very interesting scripture there. Observe there. Verse 2. 2 Corinthians 11, 2, he says, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy. For I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. Oh, hallelujah. Can you see this kind of desire here? He said, I am like taking care of this little girl, and I want to see her married, and I want to see her well married, as a chaste virgin presented. Amen. So here, you know, in relationship, the church is considered like a bride. Hallelujah. And a good father's desire here is to make sure he has taken care of this girl so well that he can now offer this girl honorably to that wonderful bridegroom. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Ha, 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 ha. Praise you, Lord Jesus. So imagine... The church is supposed to be presented, presented to the Lord Jesus, amen, with godly desire and jealousy. Oh, hallelujah. So if you feel such ideas coming to you where God is concerned that we should walk properly and you should adjust the way you're talking and adjust the way you're thinking, notice it's that same spirit that's, you know, kind of rising up within us and saying you are being prepared for that Precious bridegroom, the Lord Jesus Christ, as a chaste virgin. Ha, ha, ha. That is worthy and prepared for that wonderful day. Hallelujah. So this is the way we think. This is why we do what we do. Because this is actually the way God sees it. God sees it as a bride being prepared for the bridegroom. With all honor, with all beauty, with all purity, 
Oh, presented to that precious, precious one who gave his life for the church, gave his life for each one of us. Hallelujah. Hmm. Times have changed so much <clears throat> that um, people, you know, have all their various ideas. But notice that the word has not changed. There's not a modified Bible. There's not an altered version or a 2020 version of the Bible. This is the same and only version where we are supposed to be chased, chased and kept, you know, like that. Praise God as a virgin, chaste virgin, holy virgin, presented to the Lord Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That's what that's supposed to be. So there's no other version to that. That's the only version. <laughs> so if he comes today, are you ready? Are you kept like that? Are your highest thoughts about him? Or have they been deviated this way and that way? Amen? Let's keep our highest thoughts on him. Let him be <clears throat> the number one in our life. Amen? Verse 3 continues, But I fear lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds, minds, should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. You see, it's a simple life. It's a very simple kind of life. It is for him. Everything is for him. Because of the love of God, you are doing what you're doing. You love him. You want him to be number one. You want him to be magnified in our life. And therefore, let him be more and more, more and more seen, more and more visible. That people will look and say, that's not from this world. That's from some other place. How come you are like this? What makes you like this? Amen? Then you go and you say, it's Jesus. So it's about the mind. Don't let your mind be corrupted, fooled, and cheated. I want you to also look at one more thought here. Praise God. You know, Paul had uh, people who went with him and uh, maybe formed a team with him and appreciated his ministry and stood with him. Imagine such a great man. Some also did not like him. Some deserted him. Some hurt him. Some, you know, really put him in trouble constantly. Amen. But uh, what a blessing to be able to work with this man and just do something with him. Hallelujah. So um, at the beginning somewhere in Acts 13, remember that's when the church now prays and they get sent off. You know, with Lucius and Niger and Manan and all of those people, apostles and teachers and prophets and all were there. Um, so in that kind of atmosphere they were sent. And in that 13th chapter, you will notice that they set out. And somewhere down the line, as you keep reading, the Bible says that this fellow called Mark decided somewhere around Paphos and Pamphylia to just abandon the work. Praise God. Okay, fine. You, it's all right. You can leave anytime you want to. You don't have to work with Paul. You know, praise God. And so he left. Praise the Lord Jesus. That, that happens. Amen. And, um, you know, later on, you will notice. Let's go there. Maybe uh, let's read Acts 13. Very interesting. 13, 13. He says, And now when Paul and his company lose from Paphos... They came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. 
It's okay. Maybe you changed your mind in the middle of it all. You decided, um, I think I'm going back to Jerusalem. You know, it's okay. Fine, no problem. Then later on, you notice in Acts 15, the commentary still continues. Verse 38, he says, But Paul thought not good to take with him them who departed from them, from Pamphylia, and went not with them to the work. Did you see that? Oh, hallelujah. See, Barnabas in the previous verse says, He determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good, because he departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. Now, if you study a little bit in the verses there, you will notice Barnabas and Mark are relatives. Barnabas's sister is John Mark. And that is the house to which Peter goes in Acts 12 after he comes out of jail where people were praying. So it was like Peter, uh, Barnabas's sister, John Mark, all of these people are well known to each other. But even in the midst of all that, in all that fellowship and camaraderie, there are people who decide, you know, hey, uh, I've decided not to go that way. I'm not going with this group. I'm not going to do that. It happens. Amen. And Paul said, I thought it was not necessary and good for him to come with us because he departed and left at that point. Amen. And so let's just see that after some time, time has passed, you know, uh, observe in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 11, Paul says, only Luke is with me. Take Mark, the same Mark, and bring him with thee, for he is profitable unto himself for his ministry. Is that what he said? No, he said he's profitable unto me for the ministry. Can you imagine telling somebody today, you are profitable to me for the ministry, so come here. I don't think it will be accepted so easily. Because even in ministry, people are thinking about their own ministry and themselves. Amen? But notice, after all of that, Paul said, you are profitable to me for the ministry. Amen. I believe that the spirit of the love of God is to find whom you can profit. Let the other person profit from you. Be a prophet to somebody else. <laughs> Hallelujah. Are you getting this? That's supposed to be good ministry. I believe that that's the right kind of thinking. So there's some stuff to think about, pray about, and see whether this is of God or not. I'm sure you'll find out it's of God. Amen? But let God convince each person. Each one must be free to choose. There is a liberty in Christ. And the choice is given to us. God does not force us in the new covenant. He has paid such a great price to make choice available to us. So that we can choose and desire. And out of that, choose to be profitable to others rather than just ourselves. Hallelujah. A very interesting thought. Very interesting thought. He said, take Mark, bring him with me, with you, for he's profitable to me for the ministry. Praise God. So you may think, oh, Paul is just thinking about himself. Well, each one has to decide. 
Some people didn't work with him. Some people worked with him. Some people gave him a lot of trouble. But this is how Paul thought. This is how Paul saw things. Amen. And if you had a chance to work with Paul for free, would you? <laughs> Hallelujah. You're blessed. Let's pray. Mantocole jembre minko lute cara bebalude grudo vreva vide vente lefra vide zundo mamblo gide dist zembro lovoto. Help us, dear Lord. Help us, dear Lord, to see that you are good, that your plans are good, not evil, to give a future and a hope to bring to the expected end. We know that you said, Oh, no man, anything but love. Therefore, O oh God, as we set our hearts to be a blessing, to lay our lives, to give, to offer, I know, Lord Jesus, you are greater, that it comes back, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, that we are inheritors of your life and the blessing, every blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We're not afraid. We're not scared to serve you, to serve one another in love. Thank you, Abba Father, for helping us to think, to ponder prayerfully as we live one day at a time. For you have called us a peculiar people, zealous of good works. We worship you. We honor you. We praise you. Thank you for another opportunity to live, another day to bring someone into your blessing, to help strengthen someone, Oh, we give you thanks. We give you praise. Thank you, Lord, for your understanding, your treasured wisdom, your understanding. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We bless you. We praise you. We worship you. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. For me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ. Hallelujah. We give you thanks for the opportunity. To live. For Christ to live through us. Hallelujah. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. Thank you, Father. We receive in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. If you'd like to give an offering, now is a great time to do it. Praise God. Hallelujah. And those of us who are tithers and givers who believe that tithing is still for us. We use this as a point of contact in Jesus' name. By this, O Lord, the devourers rebuked on their behalf. The gold is yours, the silver is yours. Cattle on a thousand hills are yours. The earth is yours and all of its fullness. And Lord, your people shall receive. The enemy shall not devour. Ha, 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 we give you thanks. Into your nail-pierced hands. Oh, we give you thanks. This comes to you as we receive it. We give you praise. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. We know you're coming soon. Help us to do it right. Thank you for angels working with us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, team. Thank you all. You're blessed.